Michael Fragans with us live via telephone. As we've been saying, we have an amazing lineup uh, all through Thursday, really every day, but Thursday's extra special. We get to introduce to you every single Thursday some great uh, radio hosts. Michael Fragan at 9.30 this morning after Charlie Harari and Unlocking Greatness will uh, commence his spin class class. <laughs> uh, and today he'll do a 2016 year in review with a special guest, and we'll talk about that and plenty of other things. Michael Fragan, political editor, I'll say, here at the Nahum Siegel Network, with us live via telephone. Michael, good morning to you, sir. Good morning, Nahum. Am I right that at this point, except for president, most of the um, uh, elected officials who were elected in the most recent elections are now sworn in and have been uh, uh, have been installed in their respective positions? Uh, that's certainly the case for Congress. Uh, in the case of most legislatures, that 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 is the same. I do believe that in certain states there are uh, constitutionally they they delay the start of their year to the beginning of whatever legislative session, and that legislative session is not always going to be in the first week uh, of January. Sometimes the second week of January. So in some cases that might not. But on federal offices, everybody is in place aside from the president. Well, the uh, yeah. So you know what we're anticipating, of course. That's January 20th. It's going to be interesting to uh, see what happens in the first few days and weeks of the Trump presidency. I don't recall after the election back in November when I asked you about you know what you anticipate for this transition. You know I don't recall exactly what you said, but uh, could you give us, if you remember, could you give us what you thought this transition would be like once he was elected, and in fact, from your vantage point, what it has been like now that we're already in uh, the beginning of January. Well, Donald Trump has continued to be unpredictable. So any predictions that anybody has usually should last for about perhaps a half hour, and then you should go rethink. Uh, you should go back to the drawing board. Uh, what, what, what has happened so far? Uh, we have a very white male cabinet, uh, which is not unexpected, a very, very wealthy, incredibly wealthy cabinet. Right. Um, I mean, just the, the scale of the level of wealth in the cabinet is, is somewhat is unprecedented. And you have a, a number of interesting picks. But, you know, right now you have uh, the, the real story about the transition as it continues to be is not even the picks, although we'll start to see hearings on them, is, is really just Trump himself. It continues to, uh, I think, dominate the news through tweeting, and as he did during the campaign. And they tweet, one would have thought that somebody would grab his phone from him and say, let's stay disciplined until January 20th, but that hasn't happened. I think the Russia issue is going to be a huge distraction. It's actually a huge issue for several of his nominees with regard to the confirmation hearings. Uh, they might run into trouble, particularly Rex Tillerson, who's very close with Russia. But it's going to be a question for a number of the nominees uh, in the Senate. And Democrats and Republicans are both incredibly skeptical of Trump's approach to Russia and to Vladimir Putin. And you have a situation right now that Donald Trump, the president-elect, is openly uh, disdainful of the U.S. intelligence apparatus and seems to just be unwilling to be taking sides, at least optically, he's taking sides with WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange, as absurd as that sounds, against the U.S. intelligence apparatus. So we will see what happens. But right now, that, that's what's dominating the transition. Uh, I, and, I, I, I'm on, on different, um, uh, just from my limited experience, I could speak to the topic of how different 
um, um, government officials are when they are, you know, in a position where they've been elected and they haven't been installed yet, uh, haven't been inaugurated yet, as compared to once they've already taken office. Uh, do you? But it sounds from the way you're putting it, it sounds like you're somewhat skeptical that that's going to be the case in the Trump uh, in the Trump case that he may not be that much different after January twentieth. Well, everybody said, and throughout the campaign, it was said over and over that he would change, and he would change as a candidate, and he would change to you know, to become more presidential, and that hasn't happened. What the formula he believes in the formula that got him here, which uh, which which makes sense, I guess. You know, it's like a football team. You know, football team on the way to the to the Super Bowl. Uh, you don't change up in the middle of the playoffs, and he's almost and he's there, and he he won, and saying why should, do I need to. Change? It. Now, perhaps the gravity of the situation uh, will will uh, will temper him somewhat. But it, you, the, every day you hear about some you know open disagreements. But the bottom line is Trump is in charge, and I think that that is certainly the case. He is very much in charge of his uh, presidency. He's very or his presidency elect. He's very much in charge. He's picking the people who he wants to pick, and that's very clear. Uh, based on a number of picks that we've seen, he's picking right. the people that he wants to pick, and he's doing it his way, right. and that he's allowed to. He has discretion as president. Uh, will we see some confirmation, some very heated confirmation battles? Uh, very possible that we will. Uh, although Republicans do have the votes to go ahead and confirm, uh, well, they don't. They have the numbers. They don't necessarily have the votes because it only takes three Republicans to go ahead uh, to defect, assuming the Democrats stay united, uh, to torpedo any single nominee. Uh, Michael Fragan with us. Spin class coming up next hour. Um, I know you have limited time. But let me do this before we talk about today's show. Uh, when you see the what seems to be relative enthusiasm coming out of Israel, and I would say relative enthusiasm coming out of the uh, members of the community that make up this audience traditionally uh, for the Trump presidency, are you enthusiastic yourself? Are you skeptical? Are you puzzled? How would you describe it? I'm enthusiastic at this point, particularly after... Uh, Obama slash Kerry or and or or both of them their their absolute betrayal of Israel at the UN. It's uh, I, I think it's what happened was shameful. Uh, not just the abstention and the veto, but on top of that, the speech that Kerry gave was not a speech that you give uh, regarding an ally. You don't shame an ally. Uh, publicly in the world. They, they don't do that to anybody else. There was no speech about Syria. There was no speech about anything. There's no speech about anybody else. For some reason, Israel is the only one who gets it. Uh, you know, I am very, I am very enthusiastic about the approach to Israel and that we'll have. Although, you know, we'll see. I, I, I am nervous always uh, about the temperamental nature of, of Trump and, you know, how he tends to change Positions very very quickly. Hopefully that won't happen with Israel. I think David Friedman is is a is a is a good pick. Uh, you know, for those of us of this of uh, this particular ideology, and I think it'll show the world that the U.S. is willing to stand by Israel when they haven't, uh, and previously in the previous administration. So it's definitely a good message. I am concerned about Israeli politics. If you just from that perspective, that if the U.S. government is too far to the right of the Israeli public, that does pose some problems for Israel and uh, kind of box them in because ultimately it's Israel that has to figure out some of these problems. That, it, it, you, remind you, know, me, you remind me, I don't know if it was earlier this week or late last week, I think it was late last week, there was an op-ed in the New York Times, I forgot who wrote it, 
that it could be the worst thing for Netanyahu, that the, the Trump victory, which I thought was an interesting perspective. I think that's uh, sort of what you're alluding to. Yes. I mean, although I do think, I, you know, despite the fact that all these people are, all people on the left are absolutely apoplectic about David Friedman, uh, he, he's a brilliant man, he's a smart man, he's a committed person, and he's not the type who's going to try and blow up uh, the Israeli government uh, for his own personal motivations. Uh, I think he wants what's best for the Jewish people and for the state of Israel. All right. Uh, I don't mean to interrupt, but I know you're on limited time. Just wanted to get a word about today's show. I know uh, former sure. former New York State Assemblyman Phil Goldfeder is going to be joining you. 9.30 Eastern time this morning right here, under an hour from now. What can people expect? Oh, we're just going to go through the year in review. What, what was, you know, what was unusual, what was noteworthy. Uh, clearly, the ascendance of Donald Trump is, is the biggest political story, but there are some other stories as, as we go along, and, you know, I think, uh, you know, one thing I think Goldfeder uh, will be well attuned to is talking about how the Democrats have lost the white middle class, and uh, that, that, and the white vote, uh, his, his district, the one he did represent, is, is that type of Trump voter. Um, has a very, uh, you know, Trump, did, for New York City, did very, very well in his district. So we're going to talk about that. We'll talk about a wide range of topics, as much as we can stuff into a half hour. All right. And by the way, last night I, I heard someone say that the, those, um, those Democratic senators from red states are going to have to be very careful when it comes to things like uh, opposing Donald Trump's Supreme Court nominees because it really could affect them in their own elections. I never really thought of that, that the Trump ripple effect could really uh, be noticed when it comes to those red states that supported him. Oh yeah, well the, you're already you're already seeing that in a lot of cases uh, with you know you have a number of senators uh, Heidi Heitkamp from from uh, uh, South Dakota as well as Joe Manchin in West Virginia and uh, Bob Casey in Pennsylvania uh, Sherrod Brown in Ohio these are all states that Trump did very well in they are all potentially vulnerable and po- uh, po- uh, I'm sorry, incumbents, uh, as well as Bill Nelson in Florida. I mean, the, you have a lot of Democratic senators at risk, and it's going to be an interesting balancing act for New York's Chuck Schumer as the leader, as Democratic leader, to try and you know uh, navigate this, keep his conference together, but at the same time worrying about these vulnerable members. Thank you, Michael. Good luck today. Thank you, Malcolm. Have a great day. Michael Fragan, Spin Class 930 this morning.